0: hi everybody welcome back to episode 12 of the book report with Allie I'm Allie
1: and I'm Rach
0: yes we're glad that you are here we are shifting genres yet again last week we had a not a snafu I wouldn't say a snafu Mm, no 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 we pivoted Very gracefully and well. Felt like a book wouldn't be right for the podcast. Yeah. And so we shifted into Devil in the White City, and now we're going back to kind of our fantasy roots, I would say. Even though this first season we haven't done too much fantasy.
1: Oh, but we will.
0: Oh, but we will. Oh, but we will. And that's definitely what- If you have
1: not read the first book of the ACOTAR series, A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. Start now. I encourage you, laugh with us, giggle with us, blush with us. (laughs) We're going to finish out the season, the summer yeah. season, with that series.
0: We're going to do a few episodes of Akatar. So buckle in. Mm. It's coming. So yeah, we're dipping our toes back into the fantasy waters for sure. And the book this week is Gods of Jade and Shadow by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Let me start this by saying I'm from Alabama. You're from Florida. We live in Tennessee. Our pronunciation of Spanish words it is not great. And even when I know how to pronounce it, I get very anxious. I don't know if you're like this. I get anxious about pronouncing things with a Spanish accent. A rolled R. Yeah, I'm like, "Oh my god, I sound like a phony." I say- mm-hmm. it almost feels like cultural appropriation or something when I'm like, yeah. "Let me try to say this correctly." And so then I find myself googling things like how to say this Spanish word, but as an American. <laughs> How to, the American version of this. Because I'm like, what's worse? We Me were going around it, pretending. Like that- YouTube
1: videos before this with interviews with Sylvia Marina Garcia and other YouTubers reviewing the book. And the way her name is rolled off the tongue of a Latino person. I I wanted to say it that way. But out of my, like, white body, it doesn't
0: It feels inauth- inauthentic it or does. something. So we're going to not do greater pronunciations, but we're mm-hmm. trying. We put in some I feel effort.
1: like my Spanish friends growing up, a group in Florida, which has a – Yeah. So Cuban population is really high there. And I felt like they just laughed. Yeah. Like, growing up just would laugh at you. There was no offense that I perceived, but if this is offensive – let us know.
0: You know I would all we love we for someone our... to tell me what's mm. better. Is yeah. it just to say the American version of a word, the American with an American accent, or is it to pronounce it completely correctly, which feels like I'm saying it with a Spanish accent? Yeah. I don't know which is where I feel sillier saying it with, with what feels like a Spanish accent when I pronounce pronounce it correctly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's, what's less laughable, what's less hurtful. Less hurtful, yeah, that's it.
1: I don't yeah. care if you laugh at me. I just want to do it the way that
0: is exp- – I don't know. It's probably varies, too, to be yeah, honest, what people fair. want. But, yeah, so we are doing Gods of Jade and Shadow. And to go along with this book, we are drinking hibiscus margaritas. They are um, so good. They are They are really good. So Rach and I love a good tart – don't put simple syrup in my mm-hmm. drinks. When we went on this – trip to Mexico that we talk about every other episode. You would think this is the only time we've traveled. We both travel a ton, but this... You have to
1: understand, it was in 2021. We'd just been (sighs) vaccinated early yeah, before anyone else because we were a test run.
0: Well, we were We're volunteering, volunteering. yeah, Yeah. so we got vaccinated.
1: And it just, it felt like we hadn't traveled in a decade.
0: It... It felt like the first international and we were trip for our children. <laughs> yes, it felt like we've been waiting for our children for our entire life. And we don't do a lot of girls like in our mm-hmm. friend group. All the guys and girls are all friends. It's not the girls just go and every do baby girls shower, yeah. every wedding shower. It's all of us co-en. together. Mm-hmm. So very, I don't know that I've ever done a girls' trip like that. I've never so i don't, I don't think i other than like before i had children yeah so anyway mm-hmm. when we were on this trip every time we ordered any cocktail at any bar at this all inclusive resort which is also just not something either of us yeah. we're not those we're not all inclusive people uh, so it was a very <laughs> weird experience from start to finish we would just be like please don't make it sweet please don't make it sweet so this is a good tart 321 margarita that's my go to i use dried curaçao our neighbor and friend Nathan Beam turned me onto the dry curacao Beam
1: Law. If
0: you're a Floridian. <laughs> of Beam Law. if You're a Floridian, and I have not gone back. So you can use that. So three parts tequila, two parts curacao or a triple sec, one part lime juice, and then I also added one part of hibiscus tea. I wanted to use. A liquor that was from the Yucatan Peninsula, which is where a lot of this book is based. It's all over Mexico, but the main characters from the Yucatan. Ali sent me
1: a text this morning that was like, what are the liquors you don't like? And I said mezcal and anything that's licorice yes. or anise.
0: And it turns out the one liquor mm-hmm. that is from the Yucatan is an anise, has an anise flavor. So just went with a good margarita, which I did learn. I knew it wasn't necessarily this ancient mexican cocktail or anything i mean sure. i knew that but it was probably invented in tijuana in the like late 30s or baja Tequila? no um oh. ma- the margarita oh or in ba i think like the baja peninsula is another place they say it may have come from it's close but, to tijuana and those locations are in the book but we did add the hibiscus tea because hibiscus is something that grows mm-hmm. in the yucatan peninsula and kind of all over mexico so yeah cheers to the hibiscus margarita
1: episode 12 so 12 well thank y'all for joining us again it's, yes we're delighted to be here i think we're shocked every week that we made it another week
0: i'm shocked that we made it that we're yeah. making these <laughs> no yeah, yeah no no that's it. like we not you <laughs> like it's yeah we're proud of ourselves for mm-hmm. sure but let's hop in do you want me to do the summary Get start it. to summarize it mm-hmm. um this is a book we have not discussed at all and I will say, this book came from a list. I was looking for different fantasy books not written by white people, and this was one that came up. And it is also set in Mexico in the Jazz Age. Do you remember a few episodes back we were talking about what era, what was mm-hmm. an era we'd like to live in? And you yeah. said the Jazz Age, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty cool. Minus
1: the patriarchy. Yeah, like this always. Addresses...
0: Always minus the patriarchy. Yeah, that fair. <laughs> So it's set in Mexico in the 1920s, and our main character is Cassiopeia Toon. She is part of a wealthy family, and again, she's in a smaller town in the Yucatan Peninsula. She's outside of Merida. And, however, her mother ran off with a man, and... Who seemed
1: baller. Who seemed like, great. He seemed yeah, seemed awesome.
0: But he died, and because he, she ran off with a man, she grew up. Outside of Merida, she's really treated like a maid or a servant. For so we could talk about family. this
1: before, but the instant it felt like Cinderella, like yeah. you fucking gave us another retelling. <laughs>
0: I didn't even know. I, didn't, no, I knew I know. nothing about this book going into it, except it's based on the Mayan gods and it's a fantasy series. That's mm-hmm. all I knew before reading this. And yeah. we both just read it. This isn't one that I read a long time no, ago. Like- it's another retelling, which clearly <laughs> I love. There is that aspect for sure. She is – her grandfather's kind of the patriarch of the household. There's no grandmother – I didn't even hear the grandmother mentioned. Yeah. But her and her mother are really like servants in the house. And the favored grandchild or the next in line for the family fortune is her cousin Martine, who is not very kind to her.
1: Douchebag.
0: Douchebag. You do get some history about their relationship, but he is not kind. No one treats her really well. And she just desperately wants – out of this situation, out of this life. She's never left her small town. And I actually can't remember what kicked it off, what made her mad enough to open the chest.
1: She was left behind. So all of the rest oh, of the family yeah. was going to a cenote. I guess it was... Cenotes are... I, I don't... It's not a sinkhole. but It's just like like a the water, water system in a cave. Of. Yeah. But they're beautiful and they have healing waters if you will in the book that they thought they had healing mm-hmm. waters and the whole family was going it's something that cassiopeia wanted to do i think they did it like once a month and she was punished for being rude to martine
0: yes so she's left behind while so her she's whole
1: left behind goes. yeah she's and just like
0: pissed her grandfather at the foot of his bed had this giant chest that he never opened and i think everyone was told like do not ever open this he kept the key with him
1: at all times Mm -hmm. he always had the key on his neck or in his pocket or Mm -hmm. and she goes into his room i think for something else like to get his clothes and she sees the key laying on the dresser
0: Mm -hmm. and And she thinks
1: just pissed enough
0: this is either my chance either it's full of gold or riches or something Mm -hmm. and i can leave or I'll open it up out of spite, and there's nothing exciting in it, and I will get this little moment of revenge, and it'll just feel nice.
1: I know what's in that chest now. (laughs) He doesn't know I know, but I know.
0: Uh So she opens up the chest, and in it are a bunch of bones. And the second she starts, she reaches her hand in to touch them and gets splintered with a piece of the bone. And they start to reassemble themselves and turn into what she thinks is a man but is actually the Mayan god of death, Hun Kame. and
1: Naked.
0: naked naked as the day is long
1: they assemble as a skeleton and then skin forms around them yes how i perceived it yes yeah again like bones you you listened to it and i read it yes i did an audiobook
0: Mm -hmm. yep until i finish working on this house we're working on there's gonna be a lot of audiobooks happening Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my life and because the bone part of his bone is inside of her they are connected and he is essentially feeding off of her humanity and, yeah, they have this, like, kind of tie or connection between them. And she realizes – well, he very quickly is like, come on, we're going. We have – we're on a quest, essentially. And she
1: gives so little shits about the life that she's been living. She's like, yeah. all right, let's mm-hmm. go. Sounds great. And they the be- ability to her to, like, quickly pivot like that, I know nothing about. I oh, yeah. I haven't been 18 in a very long time. But I, at 18, I wasn't like that either. No. I was so excited for her. Yeah.
0: She – so they, he basically says, my, I ruled this, the underworld, and my brother took my throne from me and wants to create this awful world of, he, there's something about he wanted to tie the worlds together better, like the underworld to the world of man. They called it middle world, right? If, what, whom? Hunkameh. So it felt like
1: his brother, who was in charge of the underworld or the... He kind of put
0: a stop to, like, human sacrifices and stuff.
1: He wanted to, the brother. Mm -hmm. And then Humkame, the god of death, wanted to put a stop to
0: that. No, yeah. The older way of doing things. Yes. Humkame. Humkame wanted to put a stop to... Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 We are saying the same thing. And then, yes. And then the brother, his brother took over and wanted to go back to the old ways of like Mm -hmm. human sacrifice and there but there's this idea i'm gonna get this so wrong but there's this idea that there are these spots in the world that are formed by like i I can't remember how they describe like the oneness or like the creation creation of the world and they want to basically create more pathways between that and middle world and so it would just be, like, the, the veil between the worlds would be thinner, mm-hmm. and then human, there would be more like human sacrifice and stuff. So Hunkame has lost his throne to his brother, who wants to create all of this. And his brother put him in the chest by, one, working with Cassiopeia's grandfather to do so, but removing his eye, his ear, and... Spirit, or his
1: essence? It was a necklace. Was oh, yeah. yeah. So the essence had a piece of jade in it, uh-huh. which en- encompasses essence. Yes.
0: Yes. That's what it was. Yeah. So he needs to get his ear back. He needs to get his jade necklace back. and He needs to get his eye back. So even though he's been kind of reborn because Cassiopeia opened the chest, he doesn't have all of those parts to make him... so his magic is like kind of waning Mm -hmm. he's basically having to use cassiopeia and their connection to stay alive but he's got to go on this quest to put all his pieces back together and then Mm -hmm. go defeat his brother so they travel all through they leave the yucatan peninsula they go to mexico city they go to tijuana baja peninsula try you know on this mission to get him back together so that he can go back to the underworld and defeat his brother and We can, there there will be, we'll talk more about what happens in the summary, I'm sure. Oh, the whole time, her cousin, Martine, is kind of recruited by Hunkame's brother, the Mm -hmm. god who is currently head of the underworld, to go and find Cassiopeia. And so Martine is actually a pretty big character in the story as well, as he's trying to navigate his relationship to this underworld god and Cassiopeia, and like trying to find her. And we'll get more into it, but probably my favorite thing was just that it's in the jazz age in Mexico and all these different cities. So
1: before we started the podcast, Allie and I never talked about a book before we podcast about it. And her husband came in and was getting ready to leave and said, I forget exactly what he said. But I was, was like, oh, I think like, you
0: would like this one. You should listen to it while we got it checked out at the library.
1: And he said, I did. I started it but I didn't like it because it seemed so implausible. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't see a Mexican Jazz Age which I thought the exact opposite mm-hmm. of. Well, I couldn't see it. Like if you would ask me right now or 2 months ago to imagine what a Mexican Jazz Age would look like, I wouldn't have an idea, but I thought that the author did a really good job about
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was so vivid. Mm-hmm. It was so vivid. Yeah, I thought the exact opposite. After reading it, mm-hmm. It was like, "Oh, it was the exact same jazz age, just and pushed then you into see, yeah in Mexican pop culture. It and was all the same.
0: You see how like um, how the jazz age in America is influencing it. How it's not the way she describes even architecture and mm-hmm. buildings as they're definitely trying to." Build these buildings and hotels to be like what's popular, but pay tribute to Mayan culture or to Mexican culture. I thought that was really interesting. It was.
1: Well, I think the first time it's mentioned was when she goes to. Merida, is when I felt like she mentioned it. She was at festival or the festival. Oh, carnival! Carnival, and she was talking about what women wore and like women that didn't have hips or Mm -hmm. breasts, and they were wearing these like shimmery Mm -hmm. costumes they had short hair yeah the bob kind of androgynous Uh women so she mentions that then and then they go to mexico city is it mexico city where she has to cut her hair yeah okay
0: i think i think so
1: and i thought she would like it more because she was it was almost like this affront to the society that she grew up in where long hair was seemed as beautiful but I feel like one of the like the kindest things that Hunkame, I'm going to keep saying his name, Hunkan. Hunkame. Hunkame says to her, I feel like it was the first time I felt like, oh, is something blooming here? Uh-huh. When he cuts her hair because he needs it for the ghouls or-
0: they Get the ghosts to The ghosts to come something.
1: and help him find his next piece of his body. But she's so distraught. She's like, my hair was the most
0: beautiful thing about me. It was, and she said that it was like the one thing someone had said was beautiful about me.
1: Yeah. And you know she's – I mean, she seems beautiful by other people's descriptions Mm of her throughout the book. But at this point, he says, that is absolutely untrue. Mm -hmm. And then I think he walks away. Like, it's something very quick that he says, but it – to her, I feel like it sinks in deeper. Because, number one, she's 18. Yeah. Number two, she's probably just never – it's the first time she's been in the world. Yeah. And complimented in a way that's, like, deeper feeling. So –
0: yeah, I thought it was very vivid. I did too. The descriptions. So there is a romance in it. Hun Kame and Cassiopeia do fall for each other over time. It is the slowest slow burn. Mm-hmm. It is slow burn. And the story does go slowly to me. At first I was like, this is inching along. But... It's so vividly written and descriptive that I didn't mind it at all. I would find – and you find even the main character finds herself because she's craved this for so long. She yeah. finds herself getting lost in these moments too where she's on this ridiculous quest with a god of death and then she it hits her, I've always wanted to go dancing and I'm finally getting to do that. Or I've always mm-hmm. wanted to ride in a car. These moments – Where everything is so implausible, but we can all relate to that feeling of wanting something and then finally getting it. And she just revels in these moments. And they're written beautifully.
1: And she was promised. So you learn that her grandfather was given his wealth. You know he's wealthy. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know how he became wealthy. I guess when you're young, you just think, like, business. Yeah. He's business
0: None of us know what our parents did when we were kids.
1: (laughs) My dad was an electrical engineer, but engineer was the only word that was ever taught to me that made any sense in my mm-hmm. young brains. Like, oh, he works on a train all day.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. My son says I push buttons and watch my friends on TV because cool. I'm on Zoom all day. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's very lucrative. <laughs> but yeah, she is. Oh, I love that this was like a feminist story mm-hmm. um, in in a culture that I'm not familiar with.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: um, it was cool to be able to dive into that. Yeah. And see, like, I feel like the jazz age made it more relevant to me mm-hmm. because it was something that I was kind of familiar with just from my basic knowledge of U.S. history and culture and The Great Gatsby. But it seemed so similar and that made it seem not as different. Yeah. Like,
0: it It was because to, well, I may contradict myself later, mm-hmm. but I know so little about Mayan religion or Mexican mythology or any of those things. So I'm reading about this religious or belief system that I know so little about, but then you hear her talking about the jazz age in a way, and it's just, she is so relatable. She's very, in in some ways, yes, Uh in some ways, of course, I'm not going to, the way she can just shift and wants out of there so bad, I don't get, but yeah, those moments where you're like, I remember that just Mm. wanting so badly to go live life somewhere else it's delightful. But yeah, the ja- the Mexico Jazz Age, that being the setting was probably my fa- one of my favorite parts of the book mm-hmm. for sure. And then you mentioned you did mention carnival when she's in mm-hmm. Merida. That was another thing I thought. So I, have you ever been to carnival 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 anywhere?
1: Uh no. That's okay. going to be a no. So
0: I w- lived in Haiti for a while and went when I lived there, I lived there once during it, but we didn't get to, like, go do a ton of the festivities and then went back for it a few years later. It is wild. The way she talked about it made me feel like – Like, did it seem similar? Yes. It seemed so similar in – when you, when I, as an American, here, Carnival, I think this – it's just, like, parades. Uh-huh. It's, like, Mardi Gras or whatever. No. It's kind of scary. It's – a lot of people painted as like de- fully bo- full body paint as like demons, and it, I remember being like, "This is cra- the craziest thing I've ever seen." It's so fun, what but the it's demon crazy. That she met oh, LeRae. Yes.
1: LeRae. Okay.
0: I, that Yes. Okay. That was I, the
1: the demon that they were looking for, mm-hmm. and the God of Death had said, "You, we don't have to look for him. Mm-hmm. He's gonna see you." Yeah and he'll he, come to you. Yeah, he'll That's come like to carnival. You. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And he is just like a creepy lady ladies man, I guess. Finds her on the streets. Yeah. But yeah, he, he tries it's, to kiss her. Tries to kiss her. I remember and the one thing they talk about is during that night they like kind of uh, brush over the classes that they've mm-hmm. created for themselves and everyone's just mm-hmm. reveling and having a good time. One day I would love a great trip, not trip, but like goal would be to have a list of countries that have carnival and to go to each of them and compare them all. It'd be so fun if you want to do that when our when we retire and our kids are.
1: That sounds amazing. <sighs> would that be a Is fun? This what a dream you've
0: been like. No, I thought about life? it when I was reading this book. Of like, oh, it would be that. so cool because it sounds so similar to Haiti, and mm-hmm. Haiti's the only experience I have with it. It'd be so fun. My to son go... like, not
1: miss me at all, so sure. <laughs> like we can do that this year. Next year.
0: My kids are, and my kids are almost old enough that they would just want to come. Great. So we could all accept it's a I party. Would, <laughs> yeah. It's, I am not a leash mom.
1: I've never leashed my child. My parents leash me. Did they really? Uh huh. We I went, never knew so that We had passes to Disney World, and at Disney, Disney World today prices, cool. you might think that I'm coming at this from a wealthy perspective that is not a thing right this was florida in the eighties, and you had
0: like in it's basically like in-state tuition for disney right if you then live you in call florida it that
1: is embarrassing but yes it is exactly that <laughs> i think it was probably fifty dollars
0: a year and are you serious e- or less fifty dollars mm-hmm. for one park or all of them um rachel you're blowing my mind
1: i have no idea i'll have to ask my mom like i still have my disney pass my season pass when i when i have the, Like, I have these memories of going to Disney all the time. We lived about an hour outside of Disney, maybe an hour and a half. But we never stayed in the parks adjacent to Disney. It was always we stayed at the campground or the cheap parks. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, going through the ones on the monorail to get to the park. You have to go through the fancy ones. I remember thinking, like, oh, God, it must be nice to be so rich. I'm, like, I am a Disney fucking pass holder.
0: <laughs> I am rich. <laughs> Or oh, I'll see myself as loneliness. rich in 30 years. Yeah. I So the boys asked the other day if they'd ever get to go to Disney World. And I was like, probably not, to be honest. I, I can, It's not – it just seems like a big headache now. It's so expensive. Like, we could go – We could go to Europe on for a On a week. whole European vacation mm-hmm. for a week. Or you could oh, go you to Disney Oh, you want to go to
1: Thailand World. for two weeks? You're going to have way more fun, friend, and – I don't know. They'd probably have more fun
0: at Disney World if I'm being honest. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't. I
1: don't know. I I really don't know. As a child, it felt magical. But it didn't – as an adult, I realized how expensive it became. It's so expensive. And it feels like a bummer. We. But I'm really glad it. It was fun when I was –
0: we went once when I was a kid. It was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. We saved – I remember my mom, like, planning for years and saving. And the grandparents wanted to go with us. They wanted it to be this huge – we went with my grandparents. And – Part of me, I think if you have a good childhood, you want to give your kids those good parts of your childhood. And I think I've mm-hmm. taken Disney World. So they asked about it the other day, and I was like, probably not, man. What about I don't know. Unless involves, uh, like involves like a of California our, adventure, too, right? Unless one of our friends' parents who lives in Florida wants to get you some like in-state tuition passes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the only way you're ever going to Disney World. The Harry, so I would uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. I before. would do that way before. I would do. Disney. I would do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sound super millennial, but also we're reading it. I read it with my boys. I missed last year. But we try to read the books and then have Harry Potter night at Halloween, and I decorate yeah. everything. We have a fog machine. We do the whole shebang. It'd be fun if we did that, and then we're like, surprise! You're going to Harry Potter world. I don't know. Then have fun? I love it. Um, I don't know how we got to Disney World. I don't know carnival, either.
1: But it was a fun. It was a fun like journey. It was a fun journey. Okay,
0: back on track. Um, does Disney have a carnival? Is that how we got here? No. <laughs> okay. I don't remember. I don't know. Okay. So one thing I. I went back and forth with on this book and it's very slow and I went into it wanting to read a fantasy book and it didn't quite feel like fantasy and I couldn't put my finger on it.
1: Okay you tell me how you put your finger on it and then I'll tell you how I put my finger on
0: it. To me we're, this we're book We're gonna like stop using the finger language but <laughs> no more put finger your in. finger on it. I think you would put it in that genre but it's almost like there's another genre that is more folklore than fantasy mm-hmm. and that's what this was to me and once I once I wrapped my head around that, I loved the book so much more that it's taking another culture's folklore and making it this digestible fantasy series format. I once that clicked in my brain, I loved it so much more. But it is, it is, and I read a lot of interviews with people who were from Mexico, and they said it. They one thing a lot of folks said is it felt like a story my grandma would tell me. It had all these elements of like traditional one of the storytelling. Interviews we watched before. That's what she said. She's yeah. like, when
1: I'm telling my kids fairy tales, this is the most
0: authentic to me. Yes. This is the story that I would that tell. That made me love it more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that was just one thing I had written down that I wanted to make sure I talked about. Is It feels like there's this genre that's in between folklore or traditional storytelling and fantasy series mm-hmm. that I find really interesting. So the other part, too,
1: we would spoke earlier about Ali's husband about to leave, quickly tells us that he couldn't get into it. He also said it was slow. He said said it was slow. Yeah. So Allie and I don't talk about stuff before the podcast, so I really like not wait to tell you this. But I didn't love the book. Okay.
0: Okay. I kind of got that vibe when he said that.
1: And it's because, and I wanted to tell him this too, it's like, oh, I hate you feeling alone in this, because I know Allie is like really into it. But it wasn't until today. I like I almost didn't finish it. okay. It was almost a DNF for Rachel. Like I was pro- I was less than halfway through. I'm like, you know what? I can talk about not liking it on the podcast. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I I did finish it. And I it it was super slow, but I think this is what it was. I read this today. I was reading some like articles to try to get some pronunciations right. And someone said the book is narrated in third-person, omniscient point of view. It's not popular nowadays, so Mm -hmm. you just see all the characters. It's like a godlike overview. And it didn't give you the chance. I wanted to resonate with Cassiopeia. I felt like she was a very developed character. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I have to complain about her character development or anyone's, really. I just, I wanted to be in her brain and not looking at what she was doing. Oh, interesting. And I, felt, I thought that made it less, like a less interesting story to okay. me
0: in a way that I was like,
1: so that less makes committed. A, that
0: makes a lot of sense. Cause I kept thinking, cause we're coming up on Akatar, we're gonna mm-hmm. be doing Akatar soon. And so I'm comparing everything to that, which isn't fair. Which
1: because switches, I like right? Wh- that switches point of view. It
0: switches point of views, but you feel invested in yeah Pharah, right mm-hmm. and like you get her and I agree I didn't feel that with this main character and I struggled and went back and forth with it and then once I thought no this is like a retelling of Mayan folklore and it's all this, it, this yeah. stuff that and it's all this stuff that I wasn't used to and when you say it is like a godlike perspective telling the book that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense i actually thought halfway through the book i would say i thought i'm not really into this but then i kept thinking about how much i love the descriptions
1: mm-hmm.
0: i loved hearing i'm currently planning a trip to mexico y- yeah why am i not more
1: invested <laughs> in this book
0: i love learning about another culture's folklore or religion. I thought that part was really interesting. There was so much of it that I liked, but I think it was I was trying to put the traditional fantasy uh-huh. genre like genre retelling on it. and once I was like, this is this is like a folklore story that has got a fantasy twist. Yeah. I loved it much more. It's like I put less pressure on what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought I would love to revisit it and read it. It's one of those that I think if I re, If I came to it again with a different perspective.
1: Well, this was one that I wondered if maybe because you listened to it and I read it, we had Mm. different – if there was, like, some special excitement that the reader had to give you. I actually
0: wished I was reading it most of the time. Because I thought it was so richly descriptive. Well, I got you, girl.
1: (laughs) Bought the book. I invest in every book. I love that. that Um, I usually like library. On the book of our podcast. I I, I totally agree with you. I think I would like to revisit it. Yeah. at some point. But yeah, the minute he said that, I'm like, my face is going to give away something. Mm-hmm. He has to leave the room. No, I knew. We're I talking knew. Talking about you didn't. husband again.
0: Yeah, I could tell you were going to be like, I didn't love it either. I knew. I've been reading this
1: book for probably two months. Really? I started a long time ago. So,
0: this is the good thing about audiobooks. I will say, even if you don't love a book, if you're listening on audiobook, it's just so easy to turn it on when you're doing something else. Mm. You can do it mindlessly and it gives it the book a second chance i think in a way that reading it feels like such a commitment yeah but i can cook dinner and listen to it i can work and listen to it if i'm doing like data entry stuff that's mindless i can put that on there's so many other ways you can digest it that i do think it feels like less of a commitment and the bar's a little lower and not that i would even say i i liked this book a lot but it did I halfway through it? And I would not have said that. I would have been like, "eh, this is on the bottom of my list." But mm-hmm. now, once I finished it, I was like, "I want to go back and read this. This is a fun folklore book." I don't know. I okay. Found that really well,
1: fun. How did you find the ending? Did you? We both love like. I feel like we we both kind a of love a clean. Okay. What you wanted to happen
0: happened, it and does not everyone? This book. It doesn't. Okay, so what ends up happening in the end? What ends up happening is Hunkame succeeds and becomes the god of the underworld, only because Cassiopeia, while she is traveling through the underworld, she basically gets put into this competition like with a her, race with Martine. A race with I feel like I'm doing a terrible job at this. So Cassiopeia <laughs> and Martine are kind of the champions of the two gods and that's get a good, yeah, put into this good. race. Through the Underworld. If you can start at the beginning of the, what, what's the road called? Uh, the road through the Underworld. Black Road, Dark the, Road.
1: The I think it's the Dark, or the dark Road. It's one of those. If they
0: the can, they have to follow this road that goes to the throne. Whoever gets there first, that god is going to win. And I actually found that to be one of the most fun. That was the most fantasy-like. I think that one was easy for me. That part of the story was easy for me to like because it felt like a fantasy series. It also felt like The Labyrinth. Shout out to that 80s (laughs) delight. I liked that part of the story a lot. But there's a point when Martine is clearly going to win. He's going to get there first. Mm -hmm. And Cassia knows human blood is like the ultimate sacrifice and kind of beats all. She slits her throat and she, Hunkame wins the race. It gets her to like, I don't know. I don't know. I I feel a little fuzzy. Brings her back to life. He brings her back to life. Yeah. So she slits her throat. Hunkame wins. He brings her back to life. Everything is kind of restored. But he is a god and she is a girl and they cannot be together. And he is basically like, I can't give you the thing you want, which is a relationship with me. But I will give you the life you want on earth. And sends her off into the world. The demon comes back. <laughs> Who I actually loved the second time around. Yeah. The demon from Carnival comes back and is basically like pulls up in a car and is like, let's go. Like, let's go Get live in, your honey. life. Hop on in. <laughs> We're about to live your best life. And so it's not a neat bow in the sense that she ends up with Hunkame. It is a neat bow in the fact that she lives the life she wants without she still a male. She lived.
1: She died to make the world better. Yes. And then she's brought back to life. She's in back in to the life. my worst case scenario, she would just die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Same. everything I thought that's would what have was like, happening.
0: Yeah, I did too. And I was very bummed. It's like, I, I hate this book.
1: And now I hate this book.
0: <laughs> I actually loved there's a romance element.
1: Mm hmm.
0: That it I thought. it's steamy enough. It doesn't get steamy. There's zero peppers.
1: hmm.
0: I like that she still was able. You don't see the life she goes and lives, but you get the vibes that it's Mm going to be fine. I like that she was able to do it without a man. I like that she was like, you know what? This sucks. My heart's broken, but let's go. Let's Mm -hmm. like live this life. And it felt like a neat bow, even though it wasn't the romance neat bow. Maybe it was a more
1: feminist. It was a feminist neat bow. our neat bow was was really stemmed in the patriarchy. Yeah. And Hurts was just like, no, fuck it.
0: And he, there is, I did think the moment where they kind of let each other go, there's mm-hmm. this very descriptive moment where Hunkame is becoming, he basically pulls the bone shard out of her finger. Mm-hmm. It removes the last connection between them. And it's very beautifully written. Where he's just like, it's, I was like cleaning my room. <laughs> I was listening to this and like, <sighs> oh my God, I'm getting emotional. This ending of a relationship that's not, Because the the two people chose it, but because it's what has to be, and it's what's best. And she was fun. She Mm. was fun. And I loved that it was beautifully written, and he had these moments of humanity at the end. I actually think this scene is probably what made me like the book as much as I did. That he – it wasn't like this disastrous, I hate you, you hate me, Mm. I'm losing my humanity. It felt like there was going to be this element of him as a god who always remembered this.
1: I feel like it was more like when she cut it. When he cut. He made her cut
0: her hair. Yeah, that felt
1: more like their relationship would never be repaired. Yeah, she was so upset.
0: But then she hopped in that car and she's like, "All yeah. right, let's live this life." And I, I kind of loved that. I don't know. No, I did too. How did it feel? Is that how it felt for you, or different? Yeah, yeah. No, I,
1: I, I liked the ending. Yeah. Um, I wondered how, as someone that loves like a tidy, what I wanted to have wanted to happen happens. That's yeah. All. That's a like a good book for me. Um, I love when an author can twist it. Be like, I know what you want. I'm gonna give you something a little different, mm-hmm. but I hope you like this too. And I feel like I I liked that too.
0: Yeah, um, I kind of want you to listen to the audiobook and me to read it, uh-huh. and then we revisit. Yeah, do like a t- t- five minutes at the beginning of another episode where mm-hmm. we're like, how did that change things?
1: Yeah. So, after you said that you love this book, mm-hmm. I quickly was like, should I try Audible? There's been like a couple
0: books where you've been like, you this can check I- out everything from the library, though. Oh, you do it through the library? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I also have Aud- Audible for uh-huh. the moments that I can't wait for the library, yeah. but most things I just get on Libby, which is the app. Okay. You can do it through the library. A lot of them Good are immediate. Tech. Some of them you have to be on a wait list for like a week mm-hmm. or two, but it's not too Okay. To go. Ooh, that's super cool and you can so a lot of times what i do is just use libby and also read the book mm-hmm. and then just like i know where i am so i can fast yeah. forward or whatever well, where that's okay. to be. but yeah does libby do you like page numbers yeah i mean yeah i oh. think so i think so i'm saying okay. yes confidently i think so okay but yeah it's great so last thought i had is that I do think the imagery and the descriptiveness of this book made me think this would make a great show or movie. And I feel like mm-hmm. we say that about everything. This one in particular, I think, would be a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. It would just be beautiful.
1: There's awesome. things that make a, a Benny series different than a movie.
0: Yeah. I think this would make a great movie. Mm. Just, I want to see it on a big screen. Yeah. All, when they describe Raising the. Blade
1: Tears needs to have like action. That needs to be an action movie. That was so violent. (laughs) This I also feel should be a movie, but like a – Oh,
0: God. When they described Mm -hmm. the – when Hunkame becomes a god again, Mm -hmm. and he's about to put his – I think his eye is the last thing he gets. He's about to like restore himself. Mm -hmm. And they describe what he's wearing, and it's like feathers and bone. I was like, this needs to be a movie. It would be so good. I think it would be a really fun one on – the big screen mm-hmm. and I never pay for anything on the big screen
1: <laughs> also so Sylvia Marina Garcia is the author of a lot of popular book talking yeah. books so Mexican Gothic is the I think her latest Ooh, have you heard of this no it's all over my book talk it's not all over mine well it's weird because <laughs> mine is yours and yours is mine well
0: all over we have a shared TikTok yeah I have and no then...
1: I don't even got my original one anymore oh. i am just book report I'm usually ADHD. on my own oh wow
0: i would like throw your algorithm off so much i think probably but mexican <laughs> gothic is all over mine okay and or all over ours
1: another beautiful cover
0: okay but maybe fall series my mm-hmm. tribe so let's get into a quick fan cast i will just admit that when I can when it came to fan casting and who you picture, I realized I know so few Mexican actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. A lot of who I pictured would be you'd be appalled to hear a conversation. We actually did this together before the podcast yeah. started.
1: Like I know n- no Mexican actresses or actors.
0: A lot of and then I struggled with do you cast, Do you have to cast someone from mm-hmm. Mexico or of Mexican descent, or can you cast like? A uh, Latinx actor. Or is actress? it fair to
1: say you should try, and then like as not as us, as like because we we director. are not privy to every a yeah. casting director's when or word. I don't know. Like we're not privy to what they see. Yeah, they are more on the the pinpoint of actors and actresses from different places than we are. All we know is who's popular. Or yeah, who's been in something else.
0: You're just picturing what you consume. Yes. Which is part of the embarrassing part of it. Is I'm like, oh, I should be consuming more diverse mm-hmm. TV shows and movies. And I'm not. But I don't know.
1: We were thinking like, oh, Sofia Vergara. She's yeah. Colombian. Like, yeah.
0: And I don't know if that, I don't know. I would actually love to hear from people from Mexico if mm-hmm. that is, if you are thinking of something this tied to your own mythology and folklore and religion is it super important is it that important that Mexican... the actors or actresses would be yeah. from mexico yeah i don't know but we we tried as hard we as we tried. Could. so for cassiopeia we had mia citali which i think i'm pronouncing that semi-correctly halfway hopefully Mia. <laughs> she so that we were we did a lot of research on these the second a I lot saw of her, research that didn't include pronunciations
1: but we think we
0: would know we did i have it written oh. out and I'm still like, am okay. I saying this right? I'm saying it as right as someone with a southern accent can probably say that's it. That's fair. And I'm not going to deny my accent. <laughs> so that's, it is what it is. When I saw her face, I was like, yes, mm-hmm. this is it. This is it. Do you have a similar? That We agreed on that no, one, yeah, right? we agreed. So I had this one. I have, this is the one I haven't told you about. Oh. So for her mom, I pictured Sarah Ramirez. I need <gasps> you. No, I know who that is. I know you do. <laughs> That's how I pictured for her mom. Wouldn't that be a great cast? She's... Yes. That would be great. <laughs> so great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I kept this one. I kept my I'm lips sealed. I'm sad
1: I didn't see
0: that I, ke- I kept my lips sealed on this one. She had a very small part. I know. But... but perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But... Kudos. Small part, but I actually struggled with her part the most. Because she has a great relationship with her mom. And then she just is willing to, like, That's abandon the thing. her. So that... I struggle with that, too. It's like, oh, her mom seems actually awesome
1: i know maybe it's because she had a great relationship with her mom their mom that she felt like i'm going to abandon my mom in this hellhole that is her life
0: and so mark so throughout the story martine keeps saying if you don't side with Hunkame's brother i cannot remember his name or pronounce it's something Kume. yeah I'm not going to say it correctly if I try, but he keeps using that against her. If you don't side with our family's God, the God that we've all kind of obeyed through all these years and who gave us our wealth, Mm -hmm. are you not thinking about your mom? And, of course, she is because she knows Hunkame wants to abolish human sacrifice in all these awful practices yeah but it is tempting at some point so i Jamie think there can. is an interesting i think the mom whoever was cast as her i would say this as if it's going to happen whoever mm-hmm. would be cast as her needs to be a strong actress that can like portray this relationship even yeah. though she's not on screen a lot i'm saying this like yeah. i don't- Okay. Are we
1: casting directors? Should we be Should we be Probably Hollywood?
0: <laughs> Hun Kame. Okay, I didn't tell you this one either. Oh, dang. But this is who I pictured. He is not of Mexican descent. Okay. But JD Pardo is who I he's from the Sense of Anarchy like Mayans edition or season. J D Pardo? Pardo. It's P A R D O. Oh? that's how i pictured and then i was very upset that he wasn't of mexican descent i think he's maybe he's younger than i thought but maybe that's better so part of the thing is that as as the connection between cassiopeia and hunkame are vibing whatever you want to call it they're getting like it's getting muddier and muddier They're finding themselves, he's finding himself. So he's
1: from, he's American. Right. Um, His parents are from Argentina and El Salvador.
0: Yeah. So he's he's not of Mexican descent. Mm -hmm. But that's how I pictured. And partially because when they, so when she she becomes more godlike and more in tune with Uh, what's going on, he becomes more human like. And she gets these glimpses of him as a young man, which I thought was really descriptive and interesting. So I haven't pictured that yet, but like, no. we haven't talked. About I that, thought that but. was also beautiful mm-hmm. where he just becomes more and more human like. Ah, I love it. I love it. So And they meet like in, in the middle. middle. Yeah. <laughs> so I Rachel, I feel like you actually kind of like this book. Hearing you talk about it, it sounded like a book I love takes me 2 days to read.
1: Okay. A book I read.
0: But a, a fast read to me is different than a book I love. And I can even say I don't like a book and then a year later be like, "Hmm. Did I and the more I learn about it and think that's about it. totally fair. I think – I reread books all the time, though. I do not. My fa- So my favorite book of I all time. It. I should. I can. Like the the book I love more than anything, I've probably read six times, and it's giant. I love um, Barbara Kingsolver. Okay. Oh, so first of all, Poisonwood Bible, that's the one I love. Mm-hmm. I've read it so many times. She does have a book called La lacuna which is based in uh, Mexico, and it is about um, you own it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I do. You can't see Ali's looking around her room; that it's full of like records, not and books. books. My my books used to be here. over there; they're not here. Yeah. Uh, it. She has a great book about Mexico too, and it's like okay. Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo, huh. and it's delightful. It kind of reminded me of that, so maybe that's one reason I liked this book oh, so okay. much. But J.D. Pardo, is who I pictured, unfortunately, he is not of Mexican descent. I will say, when you look up the fan cast for this book, someone put Eduardo Franco, who
1: <laughs> for who?
0: For whom come No,
1: he's too young. He
0: is in Stranger Things, the most recent season. Mm-hmm. He is the great, pothead friend. He's delightful. He's I Argyle. Love him. Argyle. Argyle. Yeah. He's Argyle in Stranger Things. Love him. I am upset that anyone cast him as the god of Mayan death. He's too young. He's too young. He is too young. The book
1: depicts him as someone – He also
0: has to to actually be a stoner. Mm -hmm. I can't – he's not anything but that character. So the the other person I cast was Martine. Did you have anyone for Martine? I did not. Okay.
1: Is he a douchebag? I need this guy to look like a douchebag.
0: So I'm going to mispronounce – all these names and I feel so bad. Froy Gutierrez. Gutierrez? Okay. Uh, And then... see a a photo? Mm-hmm. Troy Gutierrez. I'll look it up. Froy. F-R-O-Y. Okay. Oh, didn't get it, girl. And I'll tell you why when you... Oh. Nailed it. So in the book, there is quite a bit between Martine and Cassiopeia where they talk about how he calls her like an Indian quite a few times, right? So she is is
1: Mexican Indian.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's looked down upon. And then it is described as his wider characteristics Mm -hmm. as being like, more beneficial to him so that is i was thinking about that when i cast this person
1: i love it he's
0: great i also pictured born uh, in texas yeah i think that, like a texan actor would be yeah, yeah to, like no, of that's... mexican descent uh, zolo i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly Maraduena is the other person i pictured who was in parenthood for a few seasons which parenthood is um, spell the first name X O L O. When you look up the pronunciation, that's what it tells you to say. Apologies if it is not Zo. What's his last name? M A R I. Duena. Yeah.
1: Okay. Or Duena. I don't remember who he was in Parenthood. So, who was this character? In Parenthood?
0: No, no, no. In
1: the, the oh, one. martine That was another picture of Martin. Oh, I like the other one. Okay, either one could be good, but the other one.
0: This is gonna he the s- other one be
1: problematic, but it's enough American to but make me that's feel that's how like he's des- he's
0: described as like the lighter skinned or like yeah, okay. like lighter hair, I think. No, that's why I cast that for him. Okay. Jason. He's in yeah. uh, Teen Wolf on, like, TV. <laughs> um, yeah. No, is, so that he's was my guy. casting. Did you have anyone? No. No. Nope. All right. That's who we had. We clearly need to watch some more, like, TVs and TV shows and movies from, I don't know. Part of me is, like, I need to just dive in and do more mm-hmm. from other countries. So other yeah. I have more. feel like if it has a more subtitles and, like, Oh, oh no. I'm the person who puts subtitles on even for when it's in English.
1: Wow, that's not me.
0: I have to have subtitles. It hard. I did watch a lot of Swedish horror. Oh. When I was breastfeeding.
1: Um, Wait. Can't believe <laughs> I've never whole talked about this. Sentence. Um it's... like, no. yeah, I did. Because everything, when you're up at all, 24 hours Swedish a day, Swedish horror, kind of scary stuff. Have you ever seen Midsommar? Yeah. Is it so all of that? that? But also like Cabin in the Woodsy or Everyone Dies Because of an Acid Rain. Whatever Netflix what? had to offer. I didn't care if it was – for the first time in my life, I didn't nursing care Nursing and
0: watching Swedish mm-hmm. horror films.
1: Nursing, being up all night because I was a new mom. I think it's also – I
0: never knew this – it still shocks me when I find out things about you that I didn't know. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Yeah. We I'm glad you didn't know. That. That we were I was like up 24 DFRs. hours a day. No, I knew I knew you were awake. All I did the time. not know you were watching Swedish horror films. Yeah. Cuz sometimes I would text you cuz I stay up a lot later than Rage. Mm-hmm. Rage wakes up a lot earlier than I do. So mm-hmm. when she was up feeding and nursing, we would have overlaps that I'd be like, oh, my gosh, she's awake. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah,
1: I am. I'm up at 1 o'clock. I'm also up at 3 sounds o'clock. awful. <laughs> at
0: 5 o'clock. Oh, let me preface. I have kids. I My kids are adopted, so mm. I cannot relate to this at all. It sounds mm. awful. It was a long time
1: ago, and I don't remember it. Not that long. It's like 4 years ago. I know it wasn't. It, I feel like I should remember this period in life. It's a blur. It is a blur. It's a blur, yeah. Yeah. I was talking about someone this morning, but – um, it's something that was like all consuming at the time. I don't remember that much about it, but uh, yeah, if, if Netflix had a thing out, you were on it. I, I watched it. it didn't matter for like the one season in life. That I didn't care about subtitles was then because it was nice. Yeah. My, I didn't feel like it would wake my baby.
0: Oh, you were silently uh, watching yeah. it. So like
1: foreign films was like, yep. Thank you. And oh, horror oh. felt fun to watch if it was in subtitles and I could turn the music down well yeah
0: speaking of we're getting up on spooky season <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited I bought my first skeleton did you my son yes so Rach and I love Halloween and <gasps> my kids are now interrupting Hello. one second so spooky season I feel as I, I can't speak for you I grew up Southern Baptist Evangelical. My fam wasn't anti-Halloween, but I didn't get the full experience. I also grew up in the country, and I'm, i grew up as Southern Baptist also. Yeah. And I have the opposite experience. You went full out on Halloween? My
1: parents... My mom sewed my costumes every year.
0: I mean, I had like, great costumes, but I wore them to, like, the church no. party. We didn't... I didn't, no. couldn't go trick-or-treating. So now that I live in a neighborhood, I love halloween with my whole heart i we go all out does our whole neighborhood no we're working on it rach and i go all out and we're already planning it and we're also already planning season two of the book report podcast to be
1: cozy and spooky and mystery yeah
0: we've got the vibe we want mm -hmm. if anyone has suggestions please send them our way I feel like i've already
1: decided mine you might be up for grabs i'm up for grabs cozy witch is what i'm channeling
0: that's what i that's what i want too. i thought about doing
1: an agatha christie book oh yes. you I, I decided not to but you should
0: have you read most of the ones you've chosen already
1: no okay
0: good so we're no. it's a whole yeah. fresh season okay send send recommendations my way i would love to hear them for the fall season but before we get to the fall season we, have we still have. One more book before Akatar, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So every season, and we'll, we, this might change as we go along, but I feel like Nashville and Tennessee has so many incredible authors. Mm-hmm. But one is super, super close to us. One of our neighbors has a friend that put out a book this year. Emily C. Whitson is her name, is the author. But the book is called Beneath the Marigolds. And she, when she first told me about it, I was like, oh, your friend writes a book? That's really cute, which is insulting. Emily, you're going to be on the podcast later, and I'm sorry. I hope you hear this. And I'm, again, I'm very sorry. But the book she described to me, my neighbor, was The Bachelorette Meets Murder Mystery. Yeah.
0: I would be like, yes, I'm here I'm like, for that. Oh. You're not in my
1: Bachelorette yeah, this, watch group. <laughs> yeah. I was so stoked. I read it in one day, and then Emily so graciously decided to agreed i guess decided is not really the word we harassed her via instagram and through our friend yeah but she has agreed to be on the podcast so that's gonna be one of the episodes too
0: so we will have an interview with the author and we will talk about Mm -hmm. the book as well beneath the marigolds please go out and get it read it along with us it's under
1: ten dollars for the hardcover on amazon but i know that like Parnassus, if you're local carries it as
0: well parnassus does mm-hmm. okay would highly recommend getting it locally but yeah this is gonna be a super fun one i'm, I'm really, really really excited uh, too. i've
1: already been scouting there's a book festival coming up in this fall here <gasps> and it's all nashville like oh, southern authors i think we should go to the book for festival.
0: sure i'll for start sure. posting about it so let's do if it if you're
1: local you know where we'll be but thank you so much for listening yeah thank you everyone row.
0: We're here. No, not 12th week. 10th week. Oh, because we released a lot of episodes at once. So, 12th episode, 10th week in a row. Mm -hmm. We're glad you're sticking around. We hope you enjoyed your hibiscus margaritas with us. And we look forward to next week for Beneath the Marigolds. Bye. (laughs) Bye, everyone.